0: That's an upsetting experience. What happened? I think it's very windy outside. Oh. I just saw something flash past the window in a very upsetting way. Oh. I'm kind of horror movie style sitting in front of my window with no blinds okay. at nighttime. Second floor? First floor? First floor. For, first floor. Oh, that's so right. The going to get me. Whew. Let me just uh, attempt to flip the computer over backwards.
1: Do you I, see the night? I see the night. It, it is dark. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Where was I anyway? Before all that scary stuff happened. Yeah, yeah. Do we do the episode?
1: Oh, yeah, probably should. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Super
0: Duper Stitches. Duper Stitches, the paranormal podcast about the science of the strange. Said from a funny way. I don't know. Let me try it again. No, it's done. I'm Jake. <laughs> I'm Wyatt, <laughs> and we're here to tell you that
1: the title of our show is one word.
0: Yes. Join us next week. Goodbye. (laughs) Now, of course, we're back again. Before we stumble into our episode overview, I have an update. You have an update? Yes. Breaking news as of this day's recording. Specifically, it is an Oomua Mua ooh update update, (laughs) (laughs) which I will now just essentially read from fizz.org. All right. In 2017, the first interstellar object from beyond our solar system was discovered via the Pan-STARRS Astronomical Mm. Observatory in Hawaii. And as we all know, it was named Umuomua, meaning scout or messenger in Hawaiian. The object was (laughs) like a comet, but as listeners will recall, they didn't write that, with (laughs) features that were just odd enough to defy classification. So we talked about this, what was it, Jake, like... Billion years ago? But basically, Big Rock... Still seems weird, though. It It's a large rock from outside of our solar system. Came in and then turned right back around and went back out, which is a thing that comets don't typically do. Furthermore, it didn't have a tail, which is very strange for icy bodies. Normally, as they get close to the sun, they start to emit. They evaporate gas and water and all the rest of it and mm-hmm. set off this many, many kilometers long reflective tail that people can see. This didn't happen with Oumuamua. Well... Two Arizona State University astrophysicists, Stephen Desh and Alan Jackson of the School of Earth and Space Exploration, think they may have an answer. Basically, it is ice. All right. (laughs) But it is the kind of ice that matters. It is solid nitrogen. Whoa. Desh and Jackson found one ice in particular, solid nitrogen, that provided an exact match to all the object's features. And since solid nitrogen ice can be seen on the surface of Pluto, it is possible that a comet-like object could be made of the same material. Cool. Quote, we knew we had hit on the right idea when we completed the calculation for what albedo, which is how reflective the body of a cosmic object is, or maybe any body. Right now, my albedo is extremely high in that case. (laughs) Um... When we completed the calculation for what albedo would make the motion of Oumuamua match the observations, that value came out as being the same as we observe on the uh, surface of Pluto or Triton, bodies covered in nitrogen ice. Hmm. So basically, big chunks of frozen nitrogen Wow. that I believe in its combustion also, or as it evaporates, does not put off much of a tail. And that could explain Oumuamua, the end.
1: That's really cool, and I, I never thought about nitrogen getting that cold. Because like you and I have, uh oh, plenty of experience with uh liquid form of nitrogen, which is uh, real cold. Um, real cold. But nothing so cold as to be solid. That's <laughs>
0: wow. That's right. That's for extremely long shipping. <laughs> yeah, of sensitive <laughs> uh, samples. So with that out of the way, we can do the thing we, can, we do. We can We can do the thing we do.
1: Which is talk about spooky and or strange things and try and examine them from a scientific perspective.
0: And as it is an even episode, you go first? I do. I'll just say back in February, a listener by the name of Marie Salt wrote in in to share her story about some spooky old lights Mm -hmm. down in Missouri. And that kicked us off for today's episode. I'll be handling her story, and a sort of investigation into that, and Jake, I'm not even sure what you're about to talk about. I'm talking about that, too, actually. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm talking
1: about (laughs) something. I figured since that was going to be generally the Prompt, which is strange, possibly light-related phenomena, uh, I would try and do something similar to that, too. Sounds good. So, I, of course, decided to look for things loosely related to that. I just Googled uh, strange phenomena with no quotes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Found some bands. Found some,
1: like... Yeah. Vaporwave. Uh, one of the things I actually did find on the very first page was light-related. So, this is that. Ooh. Uh, I'll be primarily working off of an article from wondermondo.com, written by, I think, Nuwat Kunkao. The article doesn't actually have an obvious attribution anywhere in it, but the Google result had an uploaded by label, which was a name written in Thai. So, if wow. both Google Search and Google Translate are to be trusted... Then this is written by Niwat Kong Kao. Go figure. Hopefully that's actually accurate. If not, uh then it's written by somebody neat and we don't know who <laughs> uh, it begins thusly. Weird things are happening some seventy to a hundred kilometers downstream from the capital of Laos. In the night, from the muddy waters of the Mekong River, appear red glowing balls which quickly rise up in the air and disappear. They do this without noise. Though some, who manage to be close to the lights, report a quiet hiss. Ah, I might know what this is. Oh. Uh, These mysterious sparkles are small, but sometimes they may reach the size of a basketball. And these aren't just a rare thing that only a few people have merely claimed to have seen. The ghost fireballs of have been seen by thousands of people, photographed and captioned on movies. And uh, I I think it means captured and investigated <laughs> by scientists looking for the explanation of this interesting phenomenon.
0: It's just brackets, ghost fireball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, fireballs are observed along a 250-kilometer section of the Mekong, approximately wow. from Ban Muang down to Bung Khan. Uh Most of them rise from the 500 to 800-meter-wide Mekong River, but they have been observed rising from smaller ponds and rivers as well. These places might sound exotic and remote to Europeans, but they are densely populated, filled with houses, roads, schools, and other usual features of civilization. So it's not like it's just in the middle of nowhere. This is where people are and could be seeing it. The phenomenon of the Naga fireballs is not too well documented before the past century or so. Some say that Wat Luang Temple contains centuries-old written records mentioning them. Uh, There are mentioned also occasional written reports from British soldiers in the 1960s, although nothing concrete is cited. Uh, numerous local people claim that they have seen the lights for all their lives and their parents and grandparents did as well although the appearance of fireballs is celebrated during certain days in october their occurrence is not predictable there have been cases where the official festivity ends without results and fireballs come unexpectedly on another night entirely Hmm. Uh, many people have tried hard to see them for years without success while many are lucky and see them on their first visit to the site for example in 2001 there were 3,000 reported fireballs seen The festival in 2004 resulted in almost none, and then in 2008, there was an excellent show of balls. (laughs) Ghostly fireballs can be seen in different times of the year, but most frequently, they are in late October through early November, when the long period of rains has ended and the Mekong is filled with lots of fast-flowing, muddy water. Hmm. So you familiar with the Naga fireballs, Wyatt? Is this what you thought it was?
0: I don't believe I am, not by name, but it is sounding like a phenomenon that I... May or may not have bumped into as I did homework for my part of today's episode. I suspect it as much. And so when I get to the explanations part, there's
1: some stuff they have specific to this particular thing, but I won't get into too much of it because I feel it'll probably overlap with yours as well and we can talk about Nonsense. it all together No, no, end.
0: yeah. It's, it, it'll be a happy marriage, I'm sure. Carry on. it yeah. is.
1: So since ancient times, numerous people have been living along the Mekong. According to some reports, as recently as in the 1980s, these balls of light attracted little attention from locals. There's no specific mythology tied to the phenomenon consistently by locals across time, but there does Hmm. seem to be a popular mythological take from at least the early 1990s. Um, Like as far as consistent... That far back, huh? Yeah. Consistent myths uh, of a certain story type have really popped up more since the 90s. Before that, it may have been an oral tradition or may have just not been a tradition at all. Hmm. One particular naga, a kind of snake or dragon, loved to crawl around the mountains right in the place where the Mekong flows today. That incredible naga still continues to travel its usual route, now underwater, and spits flames wherever it goes, as all respectable dragons do. Nice, I like that. Yeah. Uh, A Buddhist element has also been attributed as well, although local Buddhist monks seem to be more spectators of the show rather than active promoters of it so they may mm. not necessarily be the ones attaching the two. trying to you know claim part of the story it may just be that people have added it on themselves this buddhist myth involves the ominous fayanaga serpent king of the underworld mm. fayanaga is fayanaga in this story turns out to be an ally of buddha buddha mm. uh, and fayanaga in their mythical battles obtained a blessing for local people which is regular periods of rain as the rain ends, Buddha returns to earth from heaven and Fayanaga greets him with fireballs.
0: That's pretty fun. It's good good yeah,
1: greeting. Totally. Like, okay. just shooting fire up into the sky. He's like, "Oh, hey, <laughs> oh oh, jeez. Oh, oh,
0: Jake, I did not know you were able to also blow fireballs." That's was pretty
1: crazy. <laughs> I can also jump real high. I don't know if I told you that.
0: <laughs> Is that a reference? Haha. <laughs> <laughs> oh I knew what you were referring to, but I did not draw the two phenomena together until just that omen. <laughs> and now it has come back. You also enjoy scratching. Yes, carry on. Yes, I do. So this next
1: line I'm going to quote verbatim. It says, there is a traditional and well-proven method to facilitate tourism anywhere in the world, which works especially well in Southern Asia. If your locality happens to have some interesting natural phenomenon, find a religious explanation to this and organize yearly festivities to celebrate it. Hmm. Which, yeah, I think that is true in a lot of places of the world, but like, yeah, if you have some kind of thing that's pretty neat that happens in nature, just try and attach some kind of religious thing to it, and people will come and check it out and be super happy about it.
0: It works, it's business, baby. Totally.
1: Uh, in the case of Phan Fisai in Thailand and several other towns along the Mekong, Naga fireballs have been comfortably housed under the carefully timed religious Phaya Naga festival. Um, This coincides very well with an important event in in the Buddhist calendar, the event of Vasa, three months (laughs) long um, period of kind of a fasting situation. The Mm -hmm. end of Vasa, Wan Ak Pansa, is a joyous festival of the people of Isan, northeast Thailand and Laos. Uh, Finally being able to stay out in the evening after the long rains is pleasant and the moon over the Mekong makes this time romantic as well. The festival is organized around a full moon. It used to be one night only, but more recently, the festivity has expanded to several days and nights. According to locals, festivities have taken place here for many generations, but if there were any festivities before 1990, these were of a truly local nature not known elsewhere. It was really in the early 2000s that the festivities along the Mekong came into vogue.
0: Wow, so I wonder, (laughs) 1990 to 2000, sounds like perhaps tourism brought these festivals into... uh... Their greatest life yet? It does seem that way. You sipping on that dirt weed, by the way? Uh, witch cult. Witch cult, nice. I think I only have
1: so one dirt weed left, so I'm kind of saving I have like three witch cults. Very good. Uh,
0: what is it? I didn't do it in
1: your, in your fancy glass. What have you got in your fancy glass?
0: There? Oh, I have the... I'm going to school tonight. I'm taking, taking a little three philosophers to the dome. Oh. And uh, we shall see how vertical I am at the end of this glass <laughs> of beer. <laughs>
1: Uh, in any case, at the very uh, at the end of every October, tens of thousands of people flocked to Phan Fisai and other Thai and Lo- uh, Laotian towns along the Mekong. 2002 to 2004, there were hundreds of thousands of people coming. Uh, earlier, people just walked,
0: <laughs> huh? Just said whoa. Oh, because uh, uh, that's a lot of people. It
1: is. Um, earlier, people all coming. People- hmm? All coming. Go yes. On. <laughs> earlier, people just walked at the bank of Mekong. What? <laughs> I'm done. <dead>. Okay. <laughs> Earlier, people just walked at the bank of Mekong and looked at occasional fireballs rising up. Nowadays, there is an organized program with the Mekong in full focus. Uh, In the river are floating illuminated boat processions and the river receives offerings, mainly sweets. Numerous other events take (laughs) place. Throw candy at it! (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just wrapped candy bars. (laughs) Um, Numerous other events take place. Just (laughs) dead fish floating everywhere. As it is, is... usual in popular festivals but the main event in is the appearance of the fireballs thousands of people look with awe at them rising up in the air as fast as sparks from a campfire uh, and some nights thousands of such weird sparks rise out from the waters but sometimes none people cheer the lights with joy and feel happy to be together at this mystery mm. so I've, i it said that there were plenty of photos and videos of the lights i tried finding so i do have a couple i can show you but not nearly as many as it makes it sound like there would be. Now, right. seeing some of the ones move, it, it does move quickly. So if you want to take a photo of one, you have to be really quick. Um, yeah, you imagine, right. like, just like the, trying to take a photo of a spark rising off of a campfire, you don't know when the next one's going to happen, and it just kind of shoots up pretty fast. So, mm-hmm. But video, you think, would be a little bit easier. And the, there are videos, but most of them are pretty busy. There's a lot of people, and there's a whole lot of stuff happening. And I should note... That fireworks are now a very big part of the celebration too. They're like, look at this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's kind of funny though is like, there's a, a long video I watched of people uh, shooting off fireworks from all over the place and just kind of watching the river at night when, as it gets dark. And then fireworks are happening on both sides of the, the Thai and Laos side of the river. People only cheer for certain lights that so they go up. Like they're not like all. The, they seem to hmm. be able to tell the difference between the fireworks and the uh, the Naga um, fireballs. Fire. And there are, because there are definitely fire balls rising up that do look very distinct from the fireworks. We can get into more of that in a bit. Interesting. So I'm going to pause here to show you a couple of examples and get your opinion. All
0: right. Let's see. We got a somewhat low resolution photo taken at nighttime of a kind of greenish gray sky. Obviously, mm-hmm. it was not the real color, but this is just how the camera made it appear. And there are are lights it's over over the top of some water big open sky there is a a bank on the far side of what appears to be a large body of water and uh some lights along that bank and then shooting up the obvious focus of the shot from the water it appears to be is a pink kind of fiery streak yeah that seems to end in something like a ball um, yeah, and there seems to be a glow to it, too. It's not just, like, someone scratched the photo or something. Right. But it does appear to be a digital scan of a Kodak photo. Yes, looks looks old and film. Yes. Um, yeah, kind of cool. Sort of, uh, kind of like a firework going up. Not yeah. yet going boom. Right.
1: And with the streak of light instead of just smoke. Yes. So... A little different a little cool uh let me now share with you this ah, kind of cool that's cool very, very turn it down a little bit i think there might be another one in a second here. oh there goes one. Oh. Ah. See, it doesn't really look like a firework, I said. This, this no, it's this big ball of kind, kind of... of... Oh, there goes another. That is cool. Yeah. Wow. And then, yeah, it gets big reactions when it happens. It's this big, just pinkish kind of reddish thing shooting up into the sky. It doesn't explode. It just vanishes when I it gets I can high barely
0: hear you over the video. Just a moment. Oh, sorry.
1: Um, <laughs> sorry. There it is. No, no, you're great. I I turned the volume way down, but I think it probably doesn't share whatever volume I use, so...
0: It's like, Jake, the video's talking right now.
1: (laughs) That happened when you played uh, the song for your, um, uh, what is the, whatever, Triangle, so (laughs) spooky. It was just blasting so loud. (laughs) I was, like, yelling over it. Uh, So I think probably Zoom doesn't acknowledge what volume you make the video. (laughs) It just goes full blast.
0: A very cool video, too evening at a street festival we don't really see anyone or anything other than some balloons that are signaling that we are in the midst of a crowd Mm -hmm. and in the night sky we see every you know five or six seconds a little orangish pinkish orb just scooch right up into the sky and then kind of just vanish yeah um, like a single ember from a fire but obviously they're quite quite a bit larger probably grapefruit to volleyball sized I would imagine at the distance that we're seeing it yeah and they're each um, greeted
1: by oohs and ahs from yes, the crowd yes people are
0: clearly excited
1: yeah there's a different video I did see that showed like yeah people just like, from the vantage point of sitting at the river's edge to watch and seeing a bunch of fireworks coming from both sides no reactions and then one of those goes up and people are like oh yeah and clapping oh, stuff yeah cool so, it's kind of neat. But also other stuff that happens too. I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Um, so yeah, that's kind of cool. Any any thoughts on what this might
0: be? I have a thought. I'm wondering if it's going to be some variation on this theme at the very least, which it's currently me, making me think along the swamp gas line. Okay, yeah. Which is to say, I would wonder if the Mekong is very full of phosphine or diphosphane or some other phosphorus of some kind.
1: What an interesting series of very specific predictions you have here. <laughs> um, so the next section here is uh, it's about possible explanations. So most local people believe in the mythical explanation, or they, they, they kind of go back and forth between locals. So people who actually live right there didn't seem to be used to care. Now it's a tourist thing, so they're into it. Um, people generally supporters of the whole festival and stuff, all who are on board with the idea of the fireballs, um, believe in the mythical explanation involving nagas. Uh, in 2002, Why not? Other there, than
0: it being uh, fantasy.
1: Right. Uh, in 2002, there arose a scandal when independent Thai TV channel ITV reported that they observed the following. Each time when Laotian soldiers shot some tracer bullets in the air, the Thai side of the river was greeting this with cheerful shouts. TV reporters thus proved that sometimes fake Naga balls are not uncommon and are cheered for. Mm. Uh, this report met with stiff resistance from locals, however. In 2003, thermal scanners and five teams of scientists were stationed in several spots along the river in Rotanawapi district of Thailand. A team was located also at the most famous observation spot, the Naga Temple in Phan Phisai Town. There were even rumors about the involvement of a submarine of some kind. Wow. Um, the results uh, The results in this instance were not terribly conclusive. Some reports mention an upward movement of gas bubbles in the water of the river, um, but more just kind of a suggestion that they think that might be the case, but they couldn't really tell. Yeah. According to this theory, as the gas bubbles reach the surface, the gas starts to burn and rises up like a glowing orange bubble. Uh, some scientists consider that the most likely reason for flames is phosphine, as you said. Yes. Uh, this gas, especially in the presence of diphosphine, or di- it might be diphosphane. It, it may be Phosphane. miswritten here. Yeah, it's written here. Diphosphane. I
0: only di- know this because I just read about it. <laughs> I, I figured I'm as not much, a, yeah. I'm not a genius.
1: I think, um, I think they just mist- mistook the uh, thing. It should be diphosphane. It's capable of spontaneous flammability. Thus, one could assume that bubbles of this kind of gas might rise from the sediments of the river and as they make contact with the oxygen-rich air, burn with a yellow-orange-pink kind of flame. Right. Small amount of the substance quickly is consumed in flames, and as the burning bubble rises up in the air, it disappears. So, possible sources of phosphine might be a chemical reaction in the river sediments, a bacterial reduction of phosphate in decaying organic matter, for example. Indeed. Methane also gets called out a lot here, which theoretically, under certain conditions, may experience spontaneous ignition as well, but not for, necessarily. From as- what I've
0: read, I understand methane to be. Like, it'll just keep burning. Like, the phosphine or phosphine can, like, kick it off, and then it's just like... Mm -hmm. And you're like, holy shit, where did this fire come from? That makes more sense, yeah. That would be a much different night on the river, though, I imagine.
1: Yeah, the river's just on fire. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) It's pretty cool, but holy crap. (laughs) Yes. Now, issues with this people have, some have pointed out that phosphine is heavier than air. Now, I don't know... Actually, you've probably read more about this than I have... So, you could probably speak to this more, but they're saying that it's it's denser than air, Huh. Uh, whereas the Naga lights rise up in the air very quickly,
0: as you saw right, in the video. They, they just do. shoot up there. Could it be helium
1: of some kind? Uh, maybe, but helium doesn't isn't really helium, reactive anyway. And
0: it wouldn't be so condensed.
1: Right. They're saying, when phosphine burns, it produces a dense, white, and highly toxic cloud. Uh, right. None of these effects have been observed on the Mekong, so... They think that might not be actually what it is. Uh, other questions that remain hmm. are not just how it happens, but also why is it happening here? Why right. isn't the same thing seen more commonly in more places? It's uh, suggested earlier in the article that it like, could seen sometimes n- like nearby ponds and stuff. I think they're just people saying just in the area they see it. But why is this the only place in the world we know of this specific thing happening in a body of water in this way? Right. So some have even proposed that the flammable gases in question are somehow pulled out of the river sediment by the full moon, and some researchers are even um, trying to build up highly complex theories involving the specific composition of gases in sediments, coupled with the action of the moon, uh, ultraviolet rays from the sun, etc. Whoa. whoa! 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 Little whoa! Whoa! Too complex, I think, to be particularly plausible.
0: My my thought was initially that the river, if it's right after the rainy season, maybe the river is flowing at its most intense rate right and thus you know turbating the sediment and sort of releasing these gases whatever they may be yeah, that'll do it but that, carry on
1: that would totally make sense uh another even more um complex explanation is saying that it might be balls of plasma rising off the river whoa but then that brings in even more variables that don't make a hell of a lot of sense like you know how is it being charged are there microwaves around and stuff too <laughs> like yeah it's just too much, but a very crucial point that this article makes, which again, I'm taking their word for it, having not been to this river myself, is that the organic sediments necessary for any of this gas stuff to work, those sediments don't seem to be actually present here. The river in this spot, for the most part, is a sandy bed with occasional rocks. Hmm. So a little different from the idea exactly of-
0: exactly uh, nutrient rich.
1: Right. But if it's, you know, during, like, right after the rainy season and a bunch of just muddy water is flowing through, it could right. be carrying something. that. But why would it react differently there versus anywhere else in the river if the sediments exactly. going from everywhere? It's it's a little strange. Right. So, yeah. Locals deny the possibility of a hoax. They argue the Naga fire- fireballs are often observed in very secluded places where the putative hoaxer has nearly no chances to impress anyone. So, like, if there's no one around to see it, why would you even bother to hoax is their argument.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That and fireballs have been reported in a more than 45-kilometer-long section of river in one night, which would mean either a whole lot of hoaxers or just one real fast person. Yeah. Um, Just running 45 kilometers over the course of one night. I've got work Uh, to do. Yep. Naga fireballs also still rose from the river during hostilities between Thailand and Laos. The border was heavily guarded then, and so it would have been even less likely that somebody would risk their life to organize a fraud. Mm. Uh, but there are plenty of videos at the festival itself where the crowd watches the river and cheers after every fireball rises. And there are a bunch of them and they all look very much like flares and the cheers yeah. would probably cover up the sound of said flares before the sound waves could make it across the river. And you got to give the crowd something after they come all that way. So there are different possibility. It, it seems it's like it could, this to me seems like a situation where there's more than one, Possible explanation working together at once. Correct. Like the thing we just saw looked really cool and weird, and not obviously any one particular thing. Right. Different video I watched. Uh, it looked just like flares firing off, people cheering, and they all coming from the same place, going did the they same direction. You didn't have
0: like the slow descent, like glowy. Not quite. Yeah, not thing. quite
1: that kind of a thing. I think, it, or maybe like I said earlier, the idea of tracer rounds. I'm not sure because it did just trace kind of around, in a straight sense, yeah. straight line and just kept going until you couldn't see it anymore. Like it just until it was no longer lit up. Uh, but they were all coming from the same spot and going in roughly the same trajectory. So I was like, well, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Right. But those pink ones were cool because they don't look like any particular thing that I recognize otherwise. No. So I don't know. It's still kind of mysterious. It seems like it probably is a mixture of real interesting phenomenon and uh, real bullshit Um, just to kind of add nice. to the effect for people. Uh, But yeah weird and odd and uh light thing that we don't know about
0: i love it this is hilariously very much where i'm gonna land today too <laughs> spoiler alert awesome <laughs> is yeah and i uh i dare say do you dare say i don't think i can go on <laughs> what we no, you have so much to look for <laughs> <laughs> yeah jake i've been meaning to talk to you uh about something pretty serious I'm talking about Four Phantoms. Four Phantoms, the brewery? One of the coolest little breweries in Western Massachusetts. And it turns out, you don't need further convincing to be big fans of these guys, but they uh, released two new beers. Yeah. We've got our old friend, Purple Potion, back in the mix.
1: Mm-hmm. We've gotten to know them now over the course of a full year, Four Phantoms that is, but this one is probably my favorite of all the Four Phantoms offerings so far, honestly.
0: Ooh, well, as, as a creep in a British novel might say, this is one wild and delicious tart beer.
1: <laughs> it's it's a boysenberry sour ale with a little bit of lavender to it, and it's just the right amount of both, um, and also the stuff
0: why it's a It's a must try for sure. Next up, all new baby, the righteously named Battle Standard, mm-hmm. a lager brewed with German malt and American equinaut and amarillo hops i did a tiny bit of hop homework yeah and this sounds like a very intriguing combo for anyone looking for something new cool to pour into their face also if you google equinaut hops you will be pretty much drowned by beer snob review videos <laughs> <laughs> oh god where you can watch young brus drink beer for like 45 minutes and slowly, and actually quite articulately break it down. <laughs> I don't know how dangerously close we are to that. But anyway, true to form, label features a delightfully playful and violent orc warrior looking fella who uh, seems to be midway through killing.
1: Yes. I, I think you did a lot more homework than I did on this one. I just put battle standard, Colin, very orcish, very metal, very a logger.
0: Ooh. <laughs> and second up, an even gnarlier name, spelled with a G is Hand of Doom, certifiable big boy, mm-hmm. 9% oatmeal stout. See, I, it says on the label 0.9%, so I'm assuming that's a typo. I already confronted him about this. Cool. I was like, are you telling me this is 0.9%? <laughs> he was like, whoops, no. So I was going
1: to say, bad. you're going to want to go ahead and buy and then pound at least 10 of these at once to get the alcohol experience <laughs> of an imperial stout. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I, I do have to say... He mentioned that it was actually the, the decimal point was meant to move two slots over in the it's other not, direction. It's nine, it is ninety percent. Oh that would be so painful to drink. But he also said that was the percentage of oatmeal stout that it was, uh, not the A B V.
1: The ten percent uh what ten percent
0: uh post apocalyptic guy with dog. Okay. Which, of course, is what is on the label, both of them wearing (laughs) adorable gas masks, and prepared to confront the unknown with delicious oatmeal stouty goodness, loads of chocolate and caramel flavor, which I am looking forward to as the perfect post pre or permanent during dinner delight. I thought you were going to say pandemic. Permanent dinner time. That's what happens when you intrude on my copy, Jake. <laughs>
1: this is why I wrote in my notes earlier not to do that.
0: <laughs> ah, yes. Now, my <laughs> only drink for dinner.
1: <laughs> and your but only yes.
0: meal forever. Oatmeal forever. As a brewery founded on the principles of DIY punk and heavy metal, 5% of sales go to the independent artists who design these cool labels. So, how cool is that? Mm hmm. Um, you can buy four phantoms in Massachusetts and Rhode Island they're also available online and you can always just review them on untapped untapped (laughs) thank you four phantoms
1: thank you very much four phantoms and we also want to thank uh, one individual who helped support this show a patron of our patreon
0: Uh, in a segment we call patron appreciation neural dive for evaluation of risk this is a very serious undertaking pander for short we, of course, will need to use our NCAA device. Jake, could you boot it up? Yep. Turn Thank it you. on. There we go. We will, of course, plug this into the backs of our heads, and I'll say, of course, one more time. Yeah, there we oh. go. That was very nice. Yes. The uh, NCAA device is an ancient kind of horrifying computer that we sort of built and or summoned some years ago, which we now use to assess what cryptid creature or otherwise creepy critter our patrons need to be on the lookout for. He is Today we're going to focus on Asa Asa
1: Asa from Seattle, Washington uh, We I should have asked A- how you pronounce your name Asa Asa Please reach out I'm and so tell sorry. us how wrong we are We'll correct it next episode Asa <laughs> <Aza>? Asa <laughs> You personally need to be aware of The You You have to be aware of you Yes Yes Um, Of the you. Of the you. A mythical creature that lived in the mountains from Chinese bestiaries said to have an owl-like body attached to a human head. Look at that little
0: motherfucker. Wow. It is poorly drawn. (laughs) (laughs) On its face, the creature had four eyes and four ears and would supposedly, as we all could have guessed, cause a drought around the world if sighted by anyone. Oh, God.
1: No how so poorly drawn, no one's really looked at it So they've been guessing
0: Well, they ran out of water for the ink after they saw that fucking thing There you go
1: I was first sighted from around the 400 to the the 100 BCE (laughs) Uh, During the Warring States period and the Han Dynasty in ancient China So during that whole
0: 300 year period uh, No water Zero water, some ink Oh, wow He looks like he's wearing shades in that Oh, it's his four eyes, I see Yeah not to be teased. <laughs> I say keep an eye out, but like
1: also just try not to keep an eye out for the you because if you see it, you're going to fuck us all over on the water thing.
0: We are going to be extremely thirsty. Yes.
1: I mean, then again, you live in uh, Seattle, so if you want to have finally some not rain, maybe you just try and... Like eyes on one of these bad boys.
0: That is true. In fact, this may be the first time ever that I feel like we should tell you to be on the lookout for it in the sense of trying to see it.
1: Yeah, try and find a you. Uh, I don't know what you do once you see it. You could probably hang out with it. Maybe take it to an eye doctor, get it, like a pair of quadruple glasses. Yeah, it needs
0: a very special one of those devices to calibrate vision. Yes. And... Thank you very much. Thank you so for much for your support to you and to all of our patrons. Let's
1: un- let's uh, unplug this machine oh, now. Yeah. There it
0: goes boom.
1: If you support us on Patreon, we appreciate the hell out of it. It really helps us make this show happen. If you do at any level at all, even just a dollar a month, you get your name entered into the Pander algorithm to have your own cryptid creature, Creepy Crawly, uh, calculated <laughs> for you on the show. At the $5 tier, you get curated outtakes from every month. Uh, Every month we have a bunch of dumb bullshit that we screw up, but I carefully edit them together, and then we um, put it into a whole thing you can listen to for fun and your own private RSS of just goofy good times. I really enjoy listening to them, even though it's us messing up. (laughs) At the $10 tier, you get bonus mini-sodes, and we have a new deal going on here. Good news to all of our $10 patrons. We finally got our shit together, and... hopefully with unless anything goes weirdly wrong from now on every time a new full episode comes out so too will a minisode
0: come out you have waited long enough
1: yeah i'm gonna try and release them on the same day so we've
0: been sitting on about 500 hours of minisode content just <laughs> torturing you <laughs> and it's not us having been busy and depressed
1: yeah not not those things at all <laughs> um, so, so we're going to have yeah, it's a little mini episode of if you haven't heard of it before, it's a little bit looser format as far as us uh, just kind of hanging out and talking about weird creepy things. And um, oh yeah, every time you hear a new episode, you'll can know that in the private RSS feed there'll be a new one of those two. At the same ten dollars tier, you also get bonus stickers, exclusive stickers that only people at that level or higher get. You can't buy them, you can't even see. Well, you can I'll put them on Instagram, so you can see them. But you uh, you don't get a meliss- <laughs> you can't you can't even use them unless you can to that yeah, you're not even allowed to think. You're not about even allowed and- to look at them. Yeah. Above that, you can also get free and discounted merch at the same time. At the uh, oh my. at the higher tier, you um, get one free item and then a permanent discount of, I think, 40% off all items from the store. Pretty not good bad. deal there. And above that. Above that, you can, I think. The highest prize of all. Yeah, you can be our friend and um, dictate, I think, a maximum of one episode a month or something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> it's a bullshit a month.
0: tier. <laughs> well, I mean, if you sustain that level, man. We, we could talk. <laughs> we'll just make this podcast about you, my friend. If you like. For any of
1: the tiers, we also have annual plans where if you want to pay for all of a year at once, it'll be discounted at the point where you're basically paying for only 10 months. Uh, you're getting 12 months for the cost of 10, I should say, uh, paying all at once. I, I word that wrong every time. It's a discount. It's cool. I think it's like it's a weird percentage, like seventeen percent or something, but it works out to be two months off.
0: So especially if you go for the top tier patron <laughs> level, that's a humongous savings. Yes, it
1: is actually, but that's <laughs> a humongous uh, amount you're paying. Anyway, uh, it's up to you to decide. does anyway, it matter. Yeah. Thank you all for for supporting us. We do. Uh, we are now officially. I didn't know if this would happen at fifty patrons oh
0: my god it happened so thank you all very very much it's it truly is a joy to get to make this goofy show um and we love that you guys are having fun so yeah we certainly are and it's very cool to get to do this it's very cool we we really do appreciate it we joke around a lot but at 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 our core uh we don't actually care about you (laughs) yep and anyway why you want to do your segment (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay, so let's get real. Let's get
1: heavy till the water breaks the levee. Why? let's get loose. Ooh, who got the hooch?
0: Ban Jake, that's the kind of joke that tickles you boy. <laughs> very much. Okay, all right. So back in February, as I mentioned at the top of the show, listener Marie Salt was nice enough to write in and share her story, quote, So I'm not sure how old the tale is about the Sinath lights, but I've grown up on stories of them. One was from my mom's high school boyfriend who drove to see it for himself. The light hovered over the hood of his truck and the engine died and would not restart until after the light moved on. There are actually a few YouTube videos other than the one I have included, and I noticed a few other sites around Missouri have spook lights while doing a search. There are those that say it is swamp gas. I'd love to hear what your theory is on what it could be. So, thank you very much for writing in, Uh, Marie. That's awesome. I will do my best to tackle this one, and I'm sure Jake is going to be of huge assistance to me. We'll see. We'll see. So, first... We can watch a little clip that uh, Marie sent along. Yeah. You tell me what you see. All righty. Uh, see a view I'll from inside a, a car.
1: Um, looking down the road, there's a bright light at the end of the stretch of road. Looking up at it, it kind of looks like just floating up there. It's blurry. Oh, what is she saying? I don't hear nothing. You don't hear nothing light up there. there's another one down below now it's a little bit smaller um mm-hmm. uh, they're both kind of hovering overhead um I don't hear anything. Still doesn't hear nothing I don't hear anything. shouldn't hear anything
0: she's she has gone <laughs> deaf <laughs> she's trying to communicate that right now
1: yes yeah, there's just these two lights overhead they're just kind of there making no sound uh Uh, The bottom one is getting dimmer. The top one is still pretty bright. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the whole screen is dark, so it's hard to tell if there's any kind of... No frame of reference to see if it's moving. Because she's keeping it so steady, I'm assuming they're staying in in place. I don't hear no grass. And that's that's that.
0: Uh, And that's that. But yes, a glowing, slowly pulsating light is captured at night. Uh, It's pretty impossible to tell exactly where the footage was actually shot, what is actually producing the light. But... Clearly, the women are pretty excited about what they're seeing. Even the local news gets in on this. Mm. Not specifically that night, but this phenomenon in general. Mm. Okay.
1: Jesus Christ. The lab, Oh, my God. You <laughs> Thank you. <will>
0: <laughs> you. <laughs> welcome back everybody to hometown so today sorry. as you are well aware, of from your calendars that you have in your home that halloween is less well it's about a week away now i guess Oof, it's coming back. I'm, I'm already kind of kind of spooked here a little bit well speaking of room. scary stuff hank rotten <laughs> standing by our local Road news this morning, banter hank, and what is that light behind you
1: well i'll tell you what philip uh, i've been coming down to the spook light for many many years something we did as kids living in carnival and I've seen... Just want
0: to pause for a second and mention that the man's name is Hank Rodden. <laughs> oh,
1: no. <laughs> but today, we are really experiencing the spook light. It's right up there behind me. It's up in the air. Uh, actually, Phillip, You can, can you see it there, that little yeah. bright light up there? Yeah. It, when, it fir- when we first got mm-hmm. here, uh, a little before 5, uh, we were setting up. Nothing was going on. And then all of a sudden, we look back and over to the left. To the uh, right of us, excuse me, uh, we started seeing something. And now, since then, it's went way up in the sky. It's come to us. It's uh, it's divided one time. It's been reddish. It's been whitish. It's
0: It's been spooky is what it's been anyway. So, they've seen the spook light. And I'll actually, I was thinking I wouldn't show this one to you, but I'll also get the other video up here. Mm-hmm. The, this is a very long video, relatively speaking i guess of three three guys who document their trip to the area where you can see the synath light and they go there specifically to see the light and they do <laughs> uh it's low detail, but this one's probably the most compelling footage, huh, curious. Red light they see is a tower. Okay. Yeah, the red light you see is a reception tower way in the distance. Yes. The little gold light that's in the center with all the little weird sparkling stuff going on around it, that's the uh that's a spook light. Spook light. Weird. It has Yeah, it's it's fluctuating and it's it's changing color and it's kinda of moving around and it's got all kinds of stuff going on around it.
1: Hmm. Well oh it's split up into three. Wow, that's trippy. Weird that's really trippy. All flickering in different colors and moving around.
0: It goes on from there, but that one's Very the most... Weird. Whoa, what are they actually looking at here? Yeah. So, right, this is the Senath light, a.k.a. the Hornersville light, a.k.a. the Arbird light. Basically, wherever community or whatever community you're from, <laughs> they slap their name on it. Uh, I guess the site where you can see it is sort of between a bunch of areas. Ah, but generally described as a lantern-like light that occasionally appears at night, may move about, and then disappears. Hmm. Sightings are most often made apparently along a narrow dirt road off of County Road 602 southeast of Senath. So if you are in Missouri and uh, you're hearing this, go take a trip. Would love to know if you saw it. Bring your camera and bring your... Iron Nerve to take pictures, because that would be really cool. Bring a drone if you have one. Yeah, really. Actually, send it after that thing. That'd be super cool. Oh my god, that'd be so cool. But here are a slew of brief personal accounts of the late from MissouriGhosts.net. right, I'm very excited already. Um, It was while I lived in Missouri
1: that I first started to venture into a place that will... We sometimes visit called the Shadowlands. Oh, my. Yes. What took you there in the first place? I just I knew they were, it was a thing and it was a goofy website. It was fun.
0: I live in Sinath. We have spent <laughs> many nights at the light. Sometimes in three or more automobiles and cameras on hand. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> Exc- excuse me. I live in Sinath. We have spent many nights at the light. Sometimes in three or more automobiles and cameras on hand. Mm-hmm. There have been occasions where the car wouldn't start. we have seen this light many, many times. It appears white usually at first and gets closer and closer, blinking on and off as it appears to be crossing back and forth across the road. At times it changes colors and begins to get quite large in size. Mm-hmm. I have seen balls of fog floating on the road on a clear night. What is that fog? <laughs> yeah, true. That's a good question. <laughs> Or WTF. hmm No one has ever been hurt at this area, and it is very interesting to sit and watch. We never have let it get to the car, though, just in case. DT. Another one. I live in Arbor. I have always lived in this area. Back in the early 90s, my high school years, we spent a lot of time out at The Light. Mm-hmm. The television show That's Incredible did an episode out there in the early 80s, I think. I'm a skeptic myself, and I have actually seen it. I haven't put it off to ghosts or a paranormal experience, but I can testify that there is a light down that road. It moves, it changes size and color. The television show wrote it off to swamp gases, I think. There's one interesting story about a train conductor that was beheaded out there by an old male pike. I think that's what they called them. The story I got was that the conductor was reaching for a shovel that was mounted on the outside of the train, and lost his head by hitting one of those things that pick up the mail I haven't done much research on this to see if there is any truth to it the light goes back and forth across the road and they say that it is the light of a lantern that belonged to the conductor and he's looking for his head JW which mm-hmm. I guess Jake was your entry mm-hmm. <laughs> another uh oh it <Wyatt> throws <laughs> one of them
1: there he goes <laughs> he had to reboot real quick
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to electronics school with a guy from northeast Arkansas. He was adamant that the light was real and he talked to me and he talked me into going home with him for a weekend. And maybe we would drive out there and see it. I think it was on Saturday night he picked up his girlfriend and got me a date. And we mm-hmm. drove out all these back roads and finally turned down this old dirt and gravel road. We went down the road till we came to an old dead tree that my friend said was an old hanging tree. "'We turned around and parked close to another car that was also there. "'The folks in the other car said they had not seen anything and soon left. "'So we were sitting there under the old tree for maybe 30 minutes "'when the light suddenly appeared. "'It was in the middle of the road and maybe 100 yards away, I think. "'It was a whitish-yellowish color, if that makes any sense. "'It sort of bobbed around and seemed to become more agitated every few seconds. "'Now we were already scared to death and the girls wanted to leave.' when it suddenly sped towards us and stopped over the hood of the car. Now we're all screaming and the car wouldn't start. The light reversed and sped away, and the car started. We sped away all scared, and I will say I've never been so afraid in my entire life. Started out basketball size, but when it came to the car it was more like two to three feet in diameter. Also it seemed to be getting more agitated and aggressive. I don't remember any sound or smell, but the visual was extreme. As it reported, it was becoming more agitated and something I forgot. It was bobbing up and down and side to side. Then it would come towards the car very fast, then go back where it was. It also changed colors from white to yellow to orange and back to white. All this very quickly by J.A. So, the Senath light. What is it? Why are cars failing to start in its presence? Hmm. Did a train conductor actually lose his head out that way back in the day? And what is swamp gas? So, first off, the Synath lights are just one example of ghost lights from around the world. Um, I suppose we could even lump the Naga fireballs into this category.
1: I think they are generally seen as being a type of ghost light, but not quite as dynamic as these.
0: Indeed. Uh, so, yes, this is a very well known and well documented phenomenon around the world. There are, thankfully, a few decidedly less than paranormal explanations. We've already covered a few in Jake's uh, section. With the case of ghost lights in North America, one of the simplest and least exciting is that the lights are, at least in some cases, again, caused by headlights of cars passing off in the distance. So, mm. kind of a drag. Mm. Um, and this is almost certainly unsatisfactory to folks who have witnessed the Senath lights in particular, but, again, I can see how this accounts for at least some of the reports. There's yeah, other they- places in North America where... The particular field where the lights are seen, it's very, very reasonable that it could be headlights, but you wouldn't know it if you were just staring there at night. Right. Um, Another theory uh, comes from other ghost lights, such as the Gurdon Light in Arkansas, which suggests that some ghost lights may be the result of piezoelectricity. Oh, we've talked about this before. Indeed. So, apparently, the area around Gurdon, not Zenath is known to sit above large amounts of quartz crystal mm-hmm. and the New Madrid fault line. As Jake just referred uh, to, we we talked about this before. For folks who may have forgotten, piezoelectricity is a kind of electric charge that can accumulate in certain solid materials like quartz when mechanical stress is applied. So I won't get into the nitty-gritty of how this works.
1: If you guys forgot 111 episodes
0: ago, then uh, that's generally how it works anyway <laughs> yeah um suffice it to say when these particular materials which can also include i just discovered certain salts and ceramics which is crazy Ooh. when they are compressed or distended some way by by mechanical means simply flicking bending what have you their formerly balanced potential charge is shoved into a negative and positive on either end of the object, and these charges can be collected and used to send an electrical current. Um, so this is like what helps keep time in your watch, for instance.
1: Yeah, quartz watch. You can. It works both directions. Where when it's physically uh, manipulated, it creates an electrical charge, and when a charge is applied, it can be it physically manipulates it. So. You can go back and forth and oscillate, and that's, and if you get it oscillating at the right pace, you can then have it be actually like a secondhand kind of situation.
0: It is so cool. So it's been proposed that these ghost lights may be attributable to piezoelectricity or perhaps ball lightning, mm-hmm. both of which may be kinds of atmospheric electrical charge. And while I can't speak to the behavior of atmospheric electricity nor how we might expect it to interact with objects mm-hmm. or move about in space. I will say and fully speculatively that this also could help explain cars failing to start when uh, near to these phenomena. No.
1: i I thought about that. Yeah. I was wondering how a gas situation or just a light thing could possibly tie into electricity, but that at least kind of has, it's in the same ballpark of, of
0: type of phenomenon. Ghost ballpark even. That's right. Um, Again, I mean, this is like speculative bordering on playful, but it is within the realm of reasonability. And yes, swamp gas, as we discussed with Jake's segment, is another possible, though perhaps less likely explanation for these sightings. Natural oxidation of phosphine, diphosphane, and methane, all of which are compounds produced by organic decay, can cause photon emissions, which is light. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Phosphine and diphosphane both spontaneously ignite on contact with oxygen. And, yeah, even a little bit can be enough to ignite often much more abundant methane for a spooky sustained fire. These these are the foundations of the Will-o'-the-Wisp legends. Mm-hmm. Another very well-documented form of mysterious nightlight, which, to those not familiar with the underlying chemical reactions, could easily be seen as an otherworldly and probably threatening event. That'd be very spooky to me. Yeah. And a third and perhaps most compelling explanation is that folks who've seen these ghost lights, probably including some of the ones that Marie knows, have been assimilated and transfected by a classic amorphous extraterrestrial shimmer entity. (laughs) And if so, it's safe to assume that while these people are still themselves, they are also now equally the shimmer. Paradoxically, while the shimmer is also just as much them, its sole purpose is the total refraction into oblivion of all matter. As such, in their continuing to walk the earth as our fellows, it says here on Wikipedia, we overlook the regrettable fact that their core humanity has been irreparably supplanted by the fundamentally inhuman and otherworldly corruption of the shimmer's abstraction. I wonder if
1: we mentioned that movie enough times on the show if we'll start getting paid by them.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what movie you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry.
1: I'm mistaking something else.
0: <laughs> uh, the end.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I uh, deliberately didn't dig too much into this email once we got it because I figured we would cover it at some point. I didn't know which of us would cover it. And since it was not me, I didn't spoil it for myself, but that is way cooler than I could have guessed. Uh, the videos are really, really, the last one you showed me especially was very, as you said, very compelling, unexpectedly uh, weird stuff, and uh, yeah, the explanations all kind of point towards a little bit of this, a little bit of that,
0: but none of them are totally satisfying on their own. It's really weird. Indeed. And all very cool. Oh, Yeah. So, very fascinating. I would love to see, I would love to be witness to any of these things. Yeah, we should go to Missouri sometime. Ooh, let's do it. Thank you guys very much for joining us today. Yes, uh,
1: special thank you as well. It's something I haven't told you about, Wyatt, but Goose Manchu, who sent this <laughs> amazing thing in the mail, and I hope you can see that beautiful calligraphy. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll i have pictures on my phone. I can send you the actual pictures oh, so you can read it. This is so night.
0: sweet. Yeah, but here's nice, the best part. Look nice at the drawing uh, on the front.
1: What? Oh my God! <laughs> Explain what you're seeing. Can I
0: get a copy of that to potentially frame? It's yeah, very I sweet. Could, I send this your way. Um, it got wow. a giant
1: Sasquatch with a Mothman perched on his arm and a city in the <laughs> background. It's that's very sweet, man. It's a nice note written in what is clearly blood, even though it says it's just ink. Thanks so much for the stickers. It, I was um, probably more excited than I should have been when Jake recognized my email was moose. Oh, yeah. Alsace Alsace was uh, the email address, so I knew that was moose. Uh, of uh, course, you are biologists. Anyway, love the show and hope you're able to continue it for a good long while. Stay safe out there. Goose Manchu. P.S. Just Inc. Wiki face, is blood. But, yeah. Thank you so much, Goose. Very, very cool. Very fun to receive that. Uh, if you want to send us mail, you can't unless... I already sent you something. We don't have a P.O. box yet because they're expensive, but if you you are a patron and receive stickers, I have no choice but to put my own personal return address on it, and that's a way you can find out where I live. Um, Please use that information responsibly.
0: And part of the reason it's so hard to get a P.O. box, which of course stands for Podcast Object Box, (laughs) is they're very expensive. You have to write into the network. You have to get special allowance the network of course being the post office, allowance being from your parents. PO box has nothing to do with post office. And I think we should end the show. <laughs> Goodbye.
1: <laughs> Before we do go, uh, feel free to rate and review if you truly care about us. Your favorite B biologist hosted semi comedic scientific cum paranormal podcast. Ooh. We've seen the recent reviews from different people who have posted them recently. They really do mean the world to us. Also, they help people find the show. So, it's a free way to support us. Very, very fun. Uh, People will also find the show if you tell them about it. So, go ahead. Corner a stranger at the grocery store. Tell them to listen to the podcast. (laughs) Like, don't leave them until they show you the download on their phone. All kinds of ways to get people to just spread the word about the show. Yeah. Last thing we want to mention, of course, is the cause of the week and any kind of anti-hate crime stuff specifically for aapi folks in the u.s yes indeed our hearts go out to the families of the victims in georgia unambiguously a hate crime we'll post some links to ways you can potentially help with that and
0: we appreciate your doing so yes indeed thank you very much jake
1: and thank you all for listening thanks for everything and uh, yeah we look forward to catching you next time we'll see you there bye
0: goodbye